Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know. Not to know what you believe or why you believe it. It's also okay not to know many of the details of your faith. It's about exploring together, especially with others who are on the frontier, either because they're deciding to take a new path or a new path has been given them, or they, like you, don't know what to believe or why to believe it. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. What we wanted to talk about today was the idea of morality. And the reason is partly because Nate constantly talks about this like over and over and over. It's okay, it's fine. Um, uh, No, I'm into it, it's good. But uh, also because I think at least certainly for our experience as Christians, Western Christians, American Christians or um, whatever, that morality has been a central part of religious life. At least that's I think what I was taught and um, so we wanted to look at what that is and, um, you know, where are we with that? What does it mean? And uh, yeah, so so Nate, since I very broadly introduced it for us here, what are we talking about today? Like, what do, what do we mean when we say morality? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure people really think it through or at least start thinking about morality of what it is. They just kind of assume they know what it is. And I think the assumptions built off of uh, preaching and teaching within the church that starts with a code of morality. Uh, It is a set of rules or guidelines if they want to be softer in their rule talk. (laughs) Nobody does, because why would we want to be softer about the rules? (laughs) (laughs) About how to live your life about the behaviors one has to have as a Christian specifically, but more and more throughout my life, I've seen it as a human being. Like they blur it into what it means to be a good human being. So we're talking about like do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts. Uh, and uh, I I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, do's and don'ts about morality. Uh Of course, morality is a much more complex subject than that, but generally speaking, when it comes to this code, the code is given to us as do's and notes as we inherit the faith. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, morality isn't so much about beliefs other than you believe that it's the what the right thing to do or what god wants you to do or whatever but it seems like morality at least as we experienced it and i suspect plenty of people experienced it is really focused on the what you do and what you don't do like how to live in terms of action or not is what it, it would does that sound right yeah where belief comes in of course is over the debates about what is a code within this morality or a rule within this morality is abortion a sin is premarital sex a sin is lying a sin right um or is it moral to use that language or i suppose you could say the source of morality might differ so like for one person uh i live the morals i do because i think god wants me to whereas then another person who maybe is not does not believe in god might say i live this way because it's what I think human beings should do to be a good human or whatever. Right. Um, but in terms of the the central part of it is not really about belief as much as believing that, you know, that's what you should or shouldn't do. 
yeah. And within Christianity, we have, of course, uh, systems to help check you, to forgive you or to shame you if you do things one way or the other. So seeing as it's our podcast, then when it comes to morality, are we like, are we throwing it out the window? Are we against morality? You heard it here first, folks. We (laughs) hate morals. (laughs) Yeah, I actually make a name for myself every once in a while by saying I don't believe in morality. I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it's uh, talked about in scripture at all. Uh, I don't. I don't believe it is anything other than a modern construct given to us through the Enlightenment. Uh, and of course, I could talk nerdy phil- philosophy about that. Uh, morality has, uh, and I will, because you asked, um, <laughs> it, it has uh, strains of objective truth. So a lot of the conversations. So about, you know we hate that shit. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the talks about morality have. Uh, you know, whispers of this is moral no matter what your beliefs are, which is yeah. part of where that comes in. Um, and it's true for everyone. So yeah. it's an objective thing, especially within Christianity, right? God's law, if you will, is God's law. It's for all people, whether or not they believe it. And there you it's go. It's just how it is, huh? Just so, how it is. Okay, not exactly to be devil's advocate, because generally I'm on the same page with you here, but just because I think it might be in people's brains. So, like, it seems like, what do we do with the Bible in terms of what you just said? Because that's how morality was always framed for me, right? Like, we live this moral life, whatever that means or doesn't mean, because what we read in the Bible, it's what God wants, etc. So what about something like, I mean, aren't, the Ten Commandments don't th- aren't those kind of a morality code in that they say do this, don't do that. Yeah, it's typically how it's said, right? Uh, especially after Jesus, the Ten Commandments become a bit harder to hold on to because it seems to be a, a covenant between Israel and uh, Yahweh. Jesus and- so helpfully distilled them for us, anyway. I'm not being facetious for once. I mean that like Jesus was very helpful in that regard. Right. And so what we do is we then put, uh, I've actually heard this from people when I talk about morality in this way, people say, well, um, Jesus did say love, love God, love neighbor. And, uh, the 10 commandments do that. They tell you how, Uh, how do you love your God and how do you love your neighbor? There's um, few in the the God category, the rest mm-hmm. are in the neighbor category. Okay, and uh, yet Jesus is not asking about; he's not talking about a morality. So you can make that claim, and yet you don't have to say anything about morality. The Ten Commandments are not about morality; they're about how does I mean specifically within the text, it's about how a nation is to live in relationship with God. Um, not to maintain that relationship, but to demonstrate it. Okay, say more about that, because I feel like that last sentence you said is kind of one of the keys of what we're talking about here. As I was taught morality, especially in light of the Ten Commandments, it was that this code was a way for me to maintain my relationship with God and Jesus kind of filled in the gaps whenever I made the mistakes. So okay. I would do things. And, you know, of course, as Lutherans, we always make mistakes. There's no. You are no a mistake. 
yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Uh, I wish that was not as much of a I know. <laughs> reality is. Uh, uh, yeah. So Jesus would fill in the gaps, but you were the one meant to hold that part of the covenant uh, by doing the law, at least in terms of morality. Now, I think it gets really sloppy because uh, when we talk about good works in the Lutheran church, we will say, of course, your good works don't do anything uh, in your relationship with God, but... But they also um, do things in your relationship with God. Yeah, they also do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's just interesting to me. Maybe this is a sidetrack, but like, I just find that so interesting because this idea of morality being this thing that you're responsible for keeping between you and God. Right. And when you mess up, Jesus kind of fixes it for you. But like, I mean, since you, since you uh, folks love Romans so much, there's that whole thing about like, we never could keep the law. Like there was like, you know, the law was never the intent, but we never could never could do it. Right. So it's just yeah. interesting that that uh, well maybe I shouldn't be surprised that Christians set themselves up for failure but um <laughs> you know like yeah, it's kind it of this weird dynamic of don't do these things that you're going to do but if you do them God's going to be very angry with you <laughs> you know Yeah yeah like, well, what what is that it's very backward sounding like a really good image is you know keeping your head above water so mm-hmm. If you are a moral person, the best that you can be is somebody who has his head over water or her head over water. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start sinning, you start to drown, right? Because you're falling short, Romans Mm 3.23, of the glory of God, which is always translated as you're falling short of the moral code that's been given to us Mm -hmm. um, by God. And we, I mean... It is so explicit in the Lutheran circle. Uh, I don't know if it's as explicit for you, but it really is. God gave us the Ten Commandments to know what our life would look like and how we are to live our lives. And when we do not do them, then we fall short of God's glory in need of Jesus. And it will be expanded by God's quote-unquote law, the whole of the Old Testament, but every Lutheran pastor and scholar will tell you that the sum of God's law can be put together in the Ten Commandments. See, that's interesting because, like, I remember learning about the Ten Commandments as a kid, right? Sunday school, I even, there was a song, so I can remember what they are, right? Um, Yeah. And... uh, You want to sing it for us? Maybe. (laughs) Um, It's not that they didn't matter because they did, but I don't remember the Ten Commandments ever being used, at least if they were, it wasn't as the central way of the here's the moral code that you get, right? I think that might be because of the Pentecostal world has the holiness code of their own um, that was tied up with all of this. So like um, I remember a big part of, living a moral life means not living like people who aren't believers quote. Right. So that's why you don't smoke. It's why you don't, in their case, our case, it's why you don't dance. It's why you don't drink. It's why you don't gamble. It's why you don't take your pick. Like a big part of it was, I think the charitable side of it is, was to show people the difference so that they might be inspired to, you know, know Jesus, the less charitable part of it would be to feel better about ourselves. 
And I suspect it was probably somewhere between those two and went back and forth depending on the person and the day, you know. But um, I don't remember the Ten Commandments ever being used as a as the foundation of that. Although I don't think if you said to anybody, so are the Ten Commandments, like, should we do them? I don't think I'm going to be like, eh, it don't matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's just coming out. It just at, wasn't taught explicitly. Yeah, I think it's the same thing from a different angle. And I think mm-hmm. um, they're both kind of, uh, how do I want to say this, cultural, but I, I mean within the specific groups themselves, not mm-hmm. specifically like American, but like Pentecostal history and culture and Lutheran history and culture are getting at the same thing here from different directions. Yeah. Is yeah. what it seems like as we talk about it. I think so. Uh, I think a lot of it, I mean, even in the scriptures you see it, Paul's trying to wrestle with it when he talks about natural law and that becomes its whole other thing, you know, um, which is a, reality that we have we tie it back to the ten commandments as an expression of the natural law so uh not only is it the sum of the the uh revealed law but it is also uh the example of what the natural law is hmm. and i i really think a lot of people myself included have been trying to figure out okay how do these ten commandments really fit and for so long they fit into a moral code that is mm-hmm. how we understand it either explicitly, like we do as Lutherans, or implicitly, Mm -hmm. it seems like, as you do, and many other Christians do as well. But I I don't know that those two are opposite ends of the spectrum, but I think most Christians, at least certainly conservative or evangelical Christians, I don't know about how it works with Catholics enough to really say, um, Mm -hmm. although I suspect it's another one of those same thing from a different starting point. But I think that they're going to fall somewhere on the spectrum between or around those things. But, yeah. you know, I was just thinking back a second when you said that the Ten com- you were taught that the Ten Commandments or no, Jesus said that. How do you keep the, you know, love God, love people. And the mm-hmm. Ten Commandments show you how to do that. Is, is that what you said? Yeah. Right? Well, it's yep. interesting because the Ten Commandments, I don't think they really do that because, <laughs> um there's only 10 things for one thing. So it's clearly not going <laughs> to cover every situation. Yeah. But like, you know, think so there's like, don't steal, don't lie, don't murder. I'm not doing these in order. Don't uh, covet, don't adultery, you know, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So right there, how you should treat others is all don't do things. Right. Right. So when Lutherans talk about the 10 commandments, they mean the way that Luther told us about the 10 commandments in our small catechism. And what happens is that Luther recognized this problem, especially when it comes to morality. I remember what, what Sarah, our guest, said. She said, it's funny how we read the scriptures in context, but we don't read the confessions, which is our books and, and the, the small catechism well, is part of our Those were delivered straight from the Lord. There is no context. <laughs> and so the context of Enlightenment theology trying to come about, which is scholasticism that Luther is part of, uh, he's trying to figure out, okay, what's really going on here in terms of morality, uh, even though that's maybe not explicitly. I haven't looked at him too much. But he real recognizes the shortcoming, right? Adultery is pretty specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, that means that you have to be married right? and you have to then have sex with somebody else that right. is not your spouse. Yeah. So you can treat your, your husband or wife however you want, as long as you don't have sex with somebody who isn't them. Exactly. Yeah. 
or, uh, you know, all the other stuff. Uh, you can, it, with that strict reading, you can have premarital sex. You can do whatever you want because mm -hmm. it's, uh, it doesn't say anything about sex outside of marriage. It says, well, neither does the Bible, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> don't commit it. And same with murder, right? Uh, -huh. uh murder. You can beat somebody to right. a pole as long as they don't die. Alive. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is funny. Not funny. Horribly enough, what happens in the end of Judges, uh, Judges 19 mm. and 20, um, a Levite beats a wife to yeah. death. One of the most yeah, awful chapters stuff. in the Bible. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, they're not committing adultery because, or I'm sorry, not committing murder because they don't actually kill the woman. They just beat her almost to death. Yeah. So what Luther did is he's like, okay, well, that's a problem. So what he did is he then kind of expanded that. And so, for instance, murder, and he did so with Jesus. Like Jesus mm -hmm. tells us, um, you know, if you commit anger in your heart or if you have anger in your heart for somebody, you're committing adult well, if you, or if you murder. Hate them, yeah. 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 If you hate them, uh -huh. um, you're committing murder. And so Luther says, okay, well, if that's true, then, and I'm doing horrible service it's to fine. Luther. Right? Yeah. You know, that encapsulates everything bad that you can do them physically, but also everything good you should do to protect their life. Uh, Luther's fifth commandment or explanation of the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. What does this mean? Uh, we are to fear and love God so that we neither endanger nor harm the lives of our neighbors. There's the negative side, but instead help and support them in all of life's needs. Okay. So it's pretty all-encompassing. It's saying well, not only are you not to harm them, but you're also to do everything you can to help them. Yeah, but also, and I mean, I don't think he was, it doesn't sound like he was trying to give you an exhaustive 700 mm -hmm. point how you know, but like, what did he say? It's uh, doing good in all their life or whatever that phrase you just yeah. said was. Okay, but like, what about the fact that people are going to define that radically different? I know, right? Like, <laughs> abusers are going to say what they're doing is good, right? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Luther was wrong. <laughs> uh, no, well, that's, but that's the problem I think you run into with morality codes, even um, such, because like, like, I mean, there's however many laws in the, you know, 600, 700, whatever it is in the old, in the, not the, yeah, the, all of the law altogether. Right. And they can't cover everything. That's yeah. why rabbis from for thousands of years have tried, had to tell people what does and doesn't qualify and what they can and can't do, because there is no way to write out every possible permutation. Right. right. I mean, I don't think so. So the question I started to come to as I'm, looking at morality and I'm looking at how we talk about it with the Ten Commandments and others uh, is not the question that most people do, which is where you may be heading, um, is how do you how do you distinguish between one morality and another, which is the, the basic question a lot of people do. Um, and usually it's, you know, my God's bigger than your God kind of answer. Right. My question, which will not surprise anybody, but my question is, well, why? Why do we need to have such minutia? Why do we need to have such expansive descriptions of what the moral code is? Hmm. And it seems like such an obvious answer as well, because I need to know how to be a good person or I need to know how to, what I can and can't do. So God won't be mad at me. Yeah. 
Yeah. And well, that's the answer that Christians get mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. Um, because I don't want to suffer some sort of negative consequence um, from God. So that would be hell at its fullest extent, but it could also be punishment. We see that a lot in scripture. Um, at least we could read into it, this punishment structure. Uh, you know, I think Pentecostals, I've known you a little bit, um, and some of the people you, you know, um, people from your world. And uh, a lot of people will start to wonder if God is testing them or if mm-hmm. this is... Mm-hmm. You know, are they doing something to deserve God's wrath or his punishment? Or uh, a big one was like, I was doing bad things, so this thing happened, so God would get my attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to do things to, um, so the moral code is about making sure we don't suffer that negative side effect or that negative consequence from God. And so we need to know the minutiae. This is the answer I came to. We need to know the minutiae in order to know what steps to take so that we avoid all the bad stuff in life, Mm. at least from God. Okay. So what's the, so what's the other than, other than the fact that it doesn't sound like it can really work in the exhaustive way we would want it to. Right. Like outside of the Bible for a second, think about the legal, think about the laws of the United States. Um, There's a reason that, you know, nobody knows what they are, even the people who write them. Right. Because they're just, you know, all of this. So what is the problem? Is there a problem with this idea of morality other than the fact that it seems like it can't actually work the way we want it to? Is it just that it doesn't work or is there a bigger problem going on? Well, I think it's pointing to why it can't work, um, because we're chasing after a phantom. Not only are we chasing after a phantom of, well, we can't exactly know what each circumstance requires morally. Mm-hmm. We're chasing a phantom because what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it so that we're okay or good as people. We're trying to do everything that we can to hold on to our self-worth, our relationship with God, to be seen as good in light of uh, other human beings, take your pick. So not only are we trying to avoid um, negative consequences from God, but we're also trying to, I don't know if earns the right word, but we're trying to stay in the good graces of other people, mm. of ourselves, God, whoever, yeah. God. It's almost like we're having to maintain it because it's in danger of going away. Like, you know, we're this close and one little thing either way or the other. Yeah. So that's where that image of the the treading water comes in because Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that I maintain my head above water. And as soon as I do something like lie or... Uh, fib or whatever the small things that you can think of people do even the big things then i start to sink below the water and now i'm in trouble mm-hmm. either eternally or with all that other stuff right. and, and the long and the short of it all i think is that um, the spoiler of all this the reason why i don't like morality i don't believe it's actually a thing is because morality is incredibly selfish it is it's focused on making sure that I'm okay. Hmm. Uh, and okay, you can define, as we've talked about, however you want. Okay with God, 
sure, okay with other people, sure, okay with the church group that I'm a part of, part of the culture that I'm living in, part of the friend group I'm with, uh, part of the image that somebody has of me. I need to make sure that I'm okay. And I think it's all of those things, but for Christians, it ultimately comes to I'm okay with God in some sense or another. So why is it a problem to make sure that I am okay? Okay, and I have to avoid being a preacher here as a why? pastor. You don't have to. <laughs> you can if I mean, it's up to you. I just, I think that's the question is like, okay, so, but why is it wrong for me to yeah. make sure I'm okay? Well, so this is something our heritage actually does really well, and our tradition does not, if that makes sense. Our heritage talks about how good works don't do anything for you, mm-hmm. for you personally, um, and yet we have these systems in place that make it so that all we do is talk about how we have to do good works to earn our relationship with God or with others. Yeah. And um, let me back up and actually answer the question. The reason is, is because you're okay no matter what. Um, ah. You're okay no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter what happens to you. But that still sounds like another one of those, well, okay, then it's it doesn't work and it's not necessary. But I don't, even if it's, you're okay no matter what, so why is it a problem, though? I mean, it might be a waste of my time if I'm okay no matter what. But why does why is it, it sounds like there is a uh, negative effect of this that you are getting at more than just... It's futile. So not only is it fruitless, you're right. Uh, there's that you're okay no matter what. But it's not just that you're wasting time by doing something, by by believing that you have this moral code that you have to live up to, and it is impossible for you to live up to. That's where some of the big problems of organized religion and a lot of stuff we talk about come in, like shame or other mental health problems could come out, relationship problems with other people because you never feel like you're good enough. And so you can take that out on other people, um, which is all within mental health as well. But uh, that's relational health. Morality can really seep into all aspects of your life uh, to the negative if you're focused on making sure you have a good moral system and that you're doing things in a good way. I mean, hell, we have to just look at the political culture right now mm. from the conservative side and it's pushing them towards fascism. Mm-hmm. That's what morality is doing because they're right and they're standing up for what's right. Well, when it starts to look like fascism, then you get into real big problems about morality. And it's not that morality is their morality is wrong. It's their person. I mean, it. See, I Ryan's giving me a look. But I just don't <laughs> like morality. It's not that their morality is wrong. It's that they're chasing morality to begin with. That they're chasing mm-hmm. that as something they need to do. Well, and I think, but so fascism aside, it made. I mean, you mean you don't want to tackle that boogeyman? <laughs> I mean, fascism sucks. But um, it made me think of. I think for me, and I think what we're kind of talking around here is that the problem is that we take this thing that let's say I think a person should live in XYZ way, which includes doing and not doing whatever. But this personal code of how I live and what I do and don't do never seems to stay personal in that it always seems to be 
we all, all of us try seem to, well, all of us in the Christian world anyway, I don't know about everybody else, seem to try and impose it upon everybody else. I mean, that's what you're talking about with the everything from a culture wars, nonsense, you know, abortion, marriage, et cetera, to um, take your pick, right? Like even applied to like nationalism, jingoistic, like interventionism mm -hmm. stuff. It's all about, uh, it's all about uh, how to live, that we have the right way to live and everybody else should live the same way we do. Yeah. And I think all that's like an expression of the reality that we're not holding our own code of morality. And so then what do we do? Well, we play the comparison game. Well, at least we're not as bad as the dirty libs or those uh, heathen abortionists or take your pick, whatever right. it is, the homosexuals. Yeah. We're not as bad as all those people. And so what we do is we transfer our energy that comes from not being able to live up to our own code into others and impose it upon them. But it also comes back on us. I mean, if you talk to people who are really into the conservative political world, they're not very happy people. Um, <laughs> well, no, they're scared and angry all the time. Yeah, they're scared and angry all the time. And uh, fear and, and hatred and anger are the two things that really come from a code of morality more than anything else, mm -hmm. especially when... Um, it becomes more and more apparent that our code of morality may not be the end all um, well, for whatever we're doing. Especially when it seems like, again, from the, the Christian perspective I came from, not my perspective now, but um, we always, whoever we are, we are always the ones that are on the right side of things. But not only are we right, but uh, we are better because of it. You kind of said this, mm -hmm. but not just better in like a philosophical sense or even a theological one, but like um, it puts us in places of power in society, right? I mean, what is the, it's the ultimate power move to say that I know life, right? Mm -hmm. I know yep. how to life and you don't, and yep. you're not doing it right. So do what I do because I'm the one who knows. And I think there isn't a bigger, uh, more toxic power dynamic than, I mean, trying to control. Isn't that just another way of fishistically? Is that a word? Anyway, <laughs> that kind of control of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we even get into weird stuff with this, like the fullest extent of it, or at least one of the fullest extents is like, then I get to define who's a Christian and who's not based uh -huh. off of their morality. So, well, you, you have know, to. For many who do this, gay Christian is not a possible thing you can say. Don't because, I know it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're defining Christianity according to their morality mm -hmm. or a morality, let's say. Even the morality, if there is such a thing. I don't think there's any morality, but if there is the morality, they're defining it according to that. Well, and yeah, uh, yeah it imposes, it's just, it, it's awful. So I, I don't know if 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 I'm stealing this by saying it, but I mean, it seems like like a lot of things we talk about on here, morality is inherently selfish, right? Yeah. In the sense yeah. of the problem is, is that morality is all about me. Uh, it's a capital M for morality and a capital M for me because, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I think 
like to back up a second, like I think I understand where some of this is coming from, right? If you truly believe that not only are you right about this, but that if if uh, if people don't do what you say or do what you'd say not to, um, that they're on their way to eternal conscious torment forever, mm -hmm. um, that yep. God is going to cast them into the lake of fire. I mean, sure, that's an even bigger ultimate power move. But I I'm trying to like say I understand why that misconception is not seen, right? Because you've been taught that like, this isn't just like I woke up and decided, I mean, it is, but we're told it isn't like I woke up and decided this is right. It's God told us this through the Bible, which is basically God itself, you know, and so too bad, right? Whether I like it or not. And mm -hmm. if people don't do it, well, that's their problem. Um, like right. literally the biggest problem. Um, yeah. And then it becomes a moral imperative on me to show them. Right. Right. So I mean, I talked why... about my my heritage, right? That's why that's one of the biggest reasons why we don't do all the things we don't do and why we go to church 18 times a week and, and all this kind of stuff is because that's, you know, that's what you should do. And mm -hmm. um, everybody should do that. And look at us. We do it because we're not like that. <laughs> and I mean, like I'm being kind of, you know, tongue in cheek there, but because I, I, I think that's certainly in there. There's certainly self-interest and self-righteousness, probably because it's inescapable and because some people are just shitheads. But mm -hmm. I think there's also, for some, I don't know if everybody realizes the effects of that. In fact, I suspect that most probably don't because I think because of its inherent selfishness, right? It's going to mm -hmm. be hard to then apply it to how it might be affecting others because that's what selfishness does to you. Yeah. And morality is packaged in such a wonderful way for people. It's like, you want to know how to live your life and how to be a good person. I mean, all of us want to be a good person. I don't think there's a single, uh, I mean, whatever. The, without the hyperbole, a few very weird examples. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our, our former president, notwithstanding. <laughs> right. You know, the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world, maybe yeah. not. Everybody else, I think you're right. Most people would probably want to live a, quote, good life, whatever yeah. that means. And if you have people telling you, especially from a young age, hey, we know what that is. And not only do they know what it is, but it feels congruent with reality. Like, you know, we shouldn't kill people. That makes a lot of sense. Few people we, disagree. Yeah, a few people disagree and mm -hmm. whatever. And same with adultery. A few people will disagree um, with all of the things. Mm -hmm. You know, you get into weird stuff with some of them. But generally speaking, within the construct of Christianity, of course, all that seems very congruent with reality. Uh so most people don't really think about morality beyond that. They don't think hmm, maybe morality is something, uh, first of all, that I should think about. But second of all, to even get to a selfishness about it, that it is something that is very self-serving mm -hmm. and focused on making sure that you're okay. Uh, at, and, even at the expense of others, whether we recognize it or not. The point is the all important thing is, yeah, but I'm I OK. Am I avoiding right. hell? Is God happy with me is, um, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. So this all makes sense to me. I mean, naturally, because I kind of spelled it at the beginning that yeah. I'm basically on board with this, too, for the most part. <laughs> and Ryan's been hearing <laughs> talk about morality for this a is, while. This is this is true. Um, 
But I feel like as much as I don't like this argument because I, you know, straw man and all, but I, I imagine if someone my parents' age were listening or even some of people my age that I went to school with or whatever were listening to this, the question that would come up next would be, so if we can't have a, if morality is bad, right? If if we have no moral code, so what? We can just do whatever we want? It doesn't matter? Yeah. So usually what I do is there's, uh, we need to go a little deeper before we can come back up. So the little deeper is a classic philosophical argument that Ryan's going to hate, but everyone does it. And it's something that you need to just know if you're going to have this conversation. And it's the trolley argument. All right. So the trolley <laughs> well, experiment. I mean, if you watch the one on The Good Place, then the I'm good place all was for hilarious. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the trolley experiment is a thought experiment to probe into the question of morality uh, and ethics, which we'll get to in a bit. But it's a problem where you are in a trolley, you're the trolley driver, and as you're going down, you see a split in the track. And on one split of the track, there's lots of iterations of yeah. this, but this is the one where on one split of the track, you see three people tied down. On the other, you see one person tied down. What do you do? You have the power to choose which... And you're not uh, able to stop. Yeah, you're not able to stop. You're able to choose which track you go down. What are you going to go down? And this is, you know, a debate that gets talked about. It's something that a lot of philosophy professors in one-on-one love to do to kind of get people thinking like, hey, I know the answer to this. And then all of a sudden it gets problematized. (laughs) I have an answer, but they never liked my answer. What's your answer? (laughs) I reject the premise. (laughs) (laughs) That is not an answer. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people, the way that they answer it is, well, I don't do anything. And so does that mean that the consequences are not yours if you don't do anything? Or, Uh, you know, you hear the people like, well, if I hit the one person, at least fewer people are dead, right? Like there's any number of ways you could answer this question. All of which seem terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason why this comes up and why it's so important is because it highlights uh, a very simple truth. And that is that these decisions are always hard and they're never clear. It's always a complex thing. You can never, ever come to a solution that is right. So the trolley problem, professors love this. I love it too, because if somebody says one, then you can say, well, what if, what if it's a pregnant, pregnant mom? Right. Like, are you going to run over a pregnant mom? What kind of monster are you? Well, the world is overpopulated. (laughs) You can throw criminals in there and yeah, have whatever a you want. About yeah. Criminals, you could do lots of stuff to complicate it, or as um, my dear friend Caputo would say, contextualize it so mm-hmm. that way you understand it a bit differently. And what you start to realize is that you know, uh, I believe that murder is wrong, but mm. what do I do in this situation where I'm going to be culpable to whatever it is? Um, and you can say, well, technically I wouldn't, but then that can be problemized too. Right. Um, with different, different things. We don't need to go on the trolley too much. The whole idea of the trolley is just to say the premise that, oh, does this mean that I can do whatever I want negates the reality that what you think you're doing is right by a moral code is actually very complex and convoluted. And you might, in fact, being be you might be doing the wrong thing 
even when you think you're doing the right thing. And that's where the good place is actually quite <laughs> brilliant because they start to realize I'm going to do a spoiler. So if you don't want to know about this, stop it. But um, they start to realize that every action is so entangled mm-hmm. with all of the terrible stuff in this reality that the, the people don't earn enough points to get into heaven. Well, I mean, honestly, the good place, at least the first season, is very much kind of what we're talking about today because they it approach is. that question from the, you know, they use philosophers and ethicists and that kind of thing. But from that perspective of here's how you live the good life, which she did not. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so we have to first recognize that even with a moral code, we have a very complex reality that we're living within, and we never have the full context, never ever. We might think we do, but we never have all the pieces in place to know that we're making a morally right decision no matter what. So we're just shit out of luck? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so good good night, folks. We'll yeah. see you next week as Life we talk about sucks, something else. doesn't it? You know, do whatever yeah. you want, because, you know, to thine own self be true. Next, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where a lot of people go, because, but again, I want to pause, because you notice what's happening here, is people are then forced to say, okay, well, I'm going to choose the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. They're not whatever choosing that might what's be. good. Yeah. They're not choosing the best thing. They're choosing, oh, well, it's better than licentiousness well, or listlessness or whatever. Since, like we talked about before, if you're the one choosing which one is the lesser of two evils, <laughs> just, then you're even like, more shit out you've of lost luck, the right? game from the beginning. Yeah. Which yeah. is what happens to the philosopher mm-hmm. in The Good Place. Right. He <laughs> just realizes no matter what happens, you can always contextualize it and becomes hopeless. Yeah. The question beneath the question that you're asking is, okay, what do we do with this? How do we now live, as Luther would say? Well, I think Jesus pretty much makes it clear, and it's we've talked about this. It's to love God and love others. And um, we are to look for the benefit of other people over and above the benefit of ourselves. Uh, Love God, love others is not two commandments. It's the same commandment. We love God by loving others. And in our loving of others, we are loved by God and so on and so forth. Um, And so what we do is we love others. And the challenge with this one is uh, instantly people say, okay, but how do you do that? Mm -hmm. How do you know that you're loving? Well, but that's that's what we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's the problem. That's the problem. So here's the uneasy answer to that problem. Um, if you're loving someone else, who gets to decide if it's love or not, loving or not? Well, if you're loving someone else, I would think that someone else should get to decide whether whether it's a loving thing that you are yeah. doing, saying, helping, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, the way that we live our lives is we live our lives for others. Hmm. Jesus makes it very clear that that's what we do. We live our lives for other people. And in so doing, we live our lives for Jesus. Or you can flip that around. We live our lives for Jesus. And in so doing, we we are urged to go out and live for other people. Um, and what that does is the problem at the core, the philosophical problem at the core of morality is it gives control away. You don't have control over your own morality, over your own behaviors, only over your own decisions. That control is given to someone else. 
Well, I mean, I think you still have control over what you may do or not do in an effort to help others. But I think the big part of it for me is it becomes a is dialectical, the right word, like it becomes a back and forth. Like I, I love somebody in whatever way that means. And I don't just mean like your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, loving people includes feeding people who don't have food, et cetera. Right. right. But right. like you said, the person I am loving gets to define whether that is not just what they need, but like, is that actually loving or is it like, you know, you get into toxic charity type stuff because Mm -hmm. then you're still doing it more for yourself, however well-intentioned you are. Right. Um, And so there is a part of what I, like, I I do have agency in the sense of that. Like I, I do choose those things that I do, but the goal is not to make me safe Right. In fact, I would argue mm-hmm. that's the problem. It should make us unsafe right. a lot more. Um, that I think that's really living for others. And if you don't believe me, ask Jesus because he died because of it. Um, but, yeah. you know, but I mean, I think that's w- what I hear you saying and what I agree with and latch on to pretty strongly is the um, what we're talking about is trying to kind of shift the emphasis from me doing things and for and like me having the power to decide and set the standards and the the boundaries mm-hmm. and all of that and making it a more collective, at least between two people, if not more, uh, process, making it a process instead of just a, a uh, sign here, yep. like a behavior code. It's more about a disposition than a behavior, although behavior follows from the disposition, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right to mention Absolutely. You have control over how you actually respond. Right. Right. You, you have that control. You can choose not to do something or to do it. I mean, Jesus asked God, take it. We do this some other way. He yeah. asked three times, you know, but then right. did it all the same. Did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have a choice on being responsible to other people and letting them decide whether or not what you're doing is loving. Mm-hmm. And of course, in this world, it gets messy. I'm not saying anything novel in anything I'm doing here, and I'm certainly not giving an easier solution because no. not only is there the toxicity from your side of thing that we'll have to f- fight a lot, you know, as we do that, as as Ryan mentioned, the toxic charity, but people are also pretty shitty sometimes, and they will take advantage of you, and they will. And we're pretty shitty sometimes further. too. Yeah, you know. So th- there's shittiness all around, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't make it any easier. Um, yet Jesus said some things to that, like turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. and if they ask you for your cloak, give them your tunic or whatever the the right order of that is. Yeah. Um. So on and so forth. Uh. So for me, the answer to the question, which is always a sarcastic and Ryan did it beautifully because that's usually how it is. Sarcastic, sarcastic question. Does that mean we can do anything? Well, well sometimes it's sometimes people really do. They uh, do. But yeah. More often than not, it's the shut up kind of yeah. approach. You yeah. know? <laughs> uh, the answer is no, because you now have to live for other people. You mm-hmm. have to live for someone else. You, you don't get to live for yourself. And making sure your morality is okay. And frankly, um, I think that's actually a really good thing. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's not only more flexible, like, you know, in a sense of like, um, 
you know, it, I think it seems to me like if we only had the 10 commandments say, like we were talking about earlier, they do, they can't get you everything. They don't work. Doesn't matter how mm. many things you say about them, however many laws you write outside of the Bible, like in the, you know, a country's laws, they don't get you anywhere in or, or at some point you get to a place where they can't do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This kind of thing, we may not know how to do it, or we we may not. Um, there may be situations we've not encountered before, and we're not sure. But a disposition towards the other, uh, loving the other person or other people. I mean, I don't see how that is going to do. Um, like that's going to put you in not the good place, but it's going to put you in a good place, right? I mean, yeah. I, I especially if you and you should be, are willing to engage in that process with the other person of, okay, so I'm, I'm, is this like, am I loving you right now? Right. Or yeah. is there something I need to do that I'm not doing or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think it actually is a lot more freeing because this approach can comment on everything. This approach can give you a way forward on everything. Whereas like we said, you know, the 10 commandments, even the whole Bible itself you know, despite what some people say, I'm sorry, does not answer every question. Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't give you the answers, but it gives you a way to explore a way forward, a whatever, whatever you want to say there. Yeah. And it also makes it so that you have to do it outside of yourself, like not only with other people, but outside your brain, like mm -hmm. the relief that I had when I, when I gave up morality, funny enough. Um, uh, my mind stopped talking so damn much, which is at least around morality. Now I could talk about other stuff in my brain. I was going to say, really? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't ask questions like, oh, is this the right thing to do? Is this the, or the other? If I ever have those questions and Ryan has had conversations with me a lot about this, like, okay, so did I, did I sound weird about that? Did I say something I shouldn't have said or uh, sometimes I'll just say, hey, I felt like I said something that was inappropriate. Uh, how did that come across to you? And it allows us not only to work on our relationship, our friendship and more, but it allows me to get out of my head and go outside and and not put so much pressure on myself. Now, mm -hmm. there's still that tendency within myself to go and say, uh, was I really very loving in that instance, especially with my kids? Because it's really hard being a parent, um, as it is with every relationship. But for me right now, that's a hard place because the kids don't, they're, they're really young. So mm -hmm. it's like uh, most of the time when I do stay up at night and, and think about stuff, I don't think about was I doing the right thing? It was, was I being loving to my daughter in that moment? And yeah, the effects on her are what you're focusing on. Exactly. Not what did I do something right or wrong based on some extra mm -hmm. code or whatever? And what's is. amazing about that is, and this is part of the freeing part, is that then allows me not to go into this cycle of shame. And uh, my response to shame would be to go more internal. Uh, what it does is it forces me to go out and, and then talk with her and say, hey, that's where repentance and forgiveness uh, comes yeah. in. I was going to say, it also makes you much more willing or in a place to be able to repent or make things right when you have, quote, done something wrong, right? Because you're not, it's not about, oh, I did something wrong and that's not like, 
the issue is not the thing. <laughs> the issue is the effect it has on the other, whether it's right. your daughter or your spouse or a whole bunch of people or whatever it is. Like, like it, it kind of, like we said, it shifts it from, you know, it's, it's not about, okay, so yes, I did a bad thing, but the bad thing is not that I did it. I mean, you know, the bad thing is the effect yeah. it had on everybody. Exactly. Um, There's not this corruption that goes inside and makes you less valuable. The corruption, if you will, would be that all your relationships, or at least the relationships that are touching that particular decision, have all been impacted mm -hmm. in a not so great way. Right. Um, including in the Old Testament, I would say I resist this a lot now, but in the Old Testament, it seems like the Hebrew scriptures talks about how that corruption can hit the relationship with God too, at least in the tabernacle setting mm. that they had in the old, in the Torah. I think it kind of moves away from that as, as it moves on. But um, certainly in the way that I feel my relationship with God, that would, uh, instead of me feeling like, Oh, I'm not as good of a Christian or I'm not as good as a person uh, for God. I think about myself in terms of, huh, I, I need to ask God for strength and forgiveness for this thing so that I can move on and do better next time. Right. And maybe we said this already, but if so, oh, well, um, I think it's important anyway enough to say again is that because it takes the shame out of the equation, or at least hopefully, like, I'll be honest, and Most Nate knows good. this, like, I still struggle with this switch. I am so on board with everything we've said in my head. And, <laughs> um, but like, even in my own life, this has been a tough switch, because so many of the central questions of my life were focused on this morality question of, is it right? Mm -hmm. Is it wrong? Whatever, whatever I'm deciding. Um, my quote, lifestyle being one of the best examples, you know, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully what this will do is that it takes the shame out of it because shame is what causes you to stay where you are. Shame is what causes us to hurt people more than um, probably anything else. Shame is certainly what causes us to hurt ourselves, whether physically or not. I just mean like in every way, shame is real bad, friends. Um, yeah. And if the thing is, okay, how do I, how do I then make, quote, make things right in the sense of how do I assist where I did the opposite. And that, that does entail like, sure, apology, repentance, um, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's hard to do, but it's not because I, it's not, oh, I did this thing. So I'm a poor, miserable sinner, worthless piece of shit. Right. 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 It's, I did this thing. It hurt people. What do I yeah. do now? You know, yeah. um, it actually does make forgiveness a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And on both sides. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to me and they say, you know, they've done something wrong, you know, nine times out of 10, I know what it is. Sometimes it's something that I don't think has been <laughs> wrong. Sometimes it's kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But nine times out of 10, I know what's going on. Um, and I know the burden that they're carrying because of that, especially because many of them are in the morality sense, mm -hmm. holding on to that. And so it makes it a lot easier in saying, hey, you know what? Uh, you're a good person. You don't need to worry about this. And we're good because of that. And then for the other side, it's a lot easier for me to go to someone and say, hey, I'm really sorry. Usually it was pride and, hey, I'm right. And I'm not, <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything wrong um, that would make it so I didn't ask for forgiveness when I was being an asshole. But now mm -hmm. it's like, well, me being an asshole doesn't really matter. Um, 
the relationship matters. And this person feels like I was an asshole and I'm going to go there authentically, not, not in the way of, Hey, I'm going to apologize just to get past this, but something I did actually made them hurt. Mm -hmm. And I need to, I need to, of course, focus within myself to make sure I don't do that again. But in the moment I need to say, I'm sorry and mend that relationship so that we can move forward. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking too, I think that it would also like for my, just speaking for myself here, I think it would make it easier for me to forgive someone if they are approaching not so much, Hey, I did this thing. I'm terrible. Cause then it's like, well, now I have to take care of you. So you feel better. Right. When this is something that was done to me, that was bad. But if it's, if it's someone who says, you know, I, I messed this up and I can tell that it was really harmful to you in X, Y, Z ways. And I'm sorry. Well, that's a lot easier to use. You got a lot of places to go from there, almost all of which are good, at least unless you, you know, if you want them to be good, right? Right. Um, You could also do bad things from there, I suppose. But it's just a lot easier to forgive someone when they when they approach it that way than from the I'm terrible, because like I said, then then you're making the person you're apologizing to be responsible for your own moral or uh, emotional state. Yeah, and it's just right. like, get a fucking therapist. That's not what I'm here for, you know? <laughs> anyway, right. like, I'm sort of joking with that last phrase, but I, I mean it like, um, I think that this, I think it, it sounds so simple, but I mean, what Jesus said was very simple. It's just really hard to to do it. It's hard to make yeah. that shift. It's also because, you know, we talked about selfishness. Well, we're all inherently selfish. Uh, human beings are selfish, right? Some of that comes from an evolutionary point of like survival. And so we do, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of hardwired that way. But that's not all of it. A lot of it is that we're just selfish people and we want to yeah. help ourselves, you know. Right. Which is why Jesus comes along, turns it on his head, because that's what Jesus always does. And he tells us the thing that says, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Now, how do I do it? Well, you probably won't all the time. So then if your focus is on towards not fixing yourself, but fixing what has been done wrong or trying to make things right for the other person, at least as much as is possible, you know, some things that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe for sometimes the way to to help. uh make recompenses to kind of remove yourself from that relationship because it can't be fixed anymore in the way that it was. But regardless, the point is like, if you go, if you put your emphasis and even your effort towards the other person, you're still going to mess that up sometimes too. Oh yeah. But that's going to be a place that you can work from. That's going to be a place that is, um, you know, much easier to forgive. It's a place that uh, helps you see people and not issues, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. take your pick. Like it's just, it's just such a healthier way. Um, it's not about like right or wrong. It's about like healthy, healthy or unhealthy. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I think yeah. it really helped. It's really helped me to think of it, to try and shift, to think of it that way in the sense, instead of just like eternal damnation or eternal reward, it's more about like, flourishing or I don't know what languishing. I don't know what, whatever the opposite is, you know? Yeah. And speaking of Jesus turning on its head, uh, we can read what he says in Matthew five, according to what we've just done. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's take uh, murder. So Jesus says, you know, you hate somebody. It's like you're committing murder. He's not expanding 
the law from a morality perspective, he's shifting it and saying, look, you're focused on that one behavior um, because, you know, the, the old law would have a lot of that um, details of what that was. When was it actually murder? When was it not? So on and so forth. It's like you're kind of like, let's let's shift away from that specific behavior and focus on the relationship. Right. If you mm-hmm. hate somebody. That's like committing murder because the relationship is hurting, is suffering. You're not going to murder someone you love. Exactly. Yeah. If you're lusting after someone, it's got nothing to do with sex. It's got everything to do with your objectifying someone and you're creating them as less than a person. Again, control and selfishness. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus turns it around. And for me, that was like the key for me abandoning it totally. Matthew 5 which a lot of people hate because Matthew five seems like an overabundance of the law, (laughs) but it's actually a reshifting of it saying, Hey, you know what? Um, If you just make sure that you're taking care of people, then you're doing okay. Um, And that's where your efforts need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, corrections can be made from there if they, if, and when they need to be made in terms of course corrections or mistakes or whatever it is. Um, but, and I like what you really, I really like what you said. This is where it gets really tricky because in morality, you would never do this, but sometimes you just need to let that relationship Mm. be done because it is the most loving thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you've done enough harm or they've done enough harm or whatever that is. Every relationship's different, but there's enough damage there that the most loving thing is not to continue that damage Mm -hmm. to one another. And so you need to let the relationship go. Does that mean that you forgive each other? Maybe, but it could be just the most, uh, what do I want to say? Not moral. Well, I can do that to be ironic. It's the most (laughs) moral thing to just let it go and and continue living your life elsewhere. Now, how you handle that, of course, matters, but um, it does give you leeway for pretty much every option available as long as that other person is part of that conversation of what what it means to be loving. Well, and in terms of forgiveness, just stay tuned because somebody's going to talk about that soon coming (laughs) up in the near future here. Uh, And we're really going to unpack this next week as well with uh, a conversation on sex. And that's why we wanted to have this brief convo, not because um, it's my little hobby horse or one of them, but because I think, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Um, I think it's really important to frame the conversation around sex appropriately. Mm -hmm. Because it never has been. Yeah. (laughs) Spoiler for the episode that's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can think about morality and sex easily. Mm-hmm. Anyone listening to this can do so, unless we happen to become popular and people outside the United States start listening to this. Oh, yeah, but, I hear we're really big in Turkey, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that would be so funny if that actually happened. <laughs> <from me. laughs> uh, I, yeah. That, that, like Ryan knew he's a prophet. That's right. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Ryan, I know that I've talked about this kind of stuff before, and I know that, um, you know, there have been pieces. I don't think we've ever had a conversation that goes through it just like this. Mm. Uh, and I'm curious what you're, what you're thinking about it. Well, I think, like I said, that I'm intellectually on board. I agree. This sounds great, you know. 
Um, although I, I, I think I've told you too, while I generally sign on to the idea of, cause you're okay, regardless, that one's been the hard shift for me, not because I necessarily think it's wrong, but because it's, um, I think what morality quote unquote did to me was that, um, made me afraid to go there because I was constantly told that I'm not right. And so given that it's been hard to be, it's been hard to rest in the idea that I really am. Okay. You know, I say that at the end of all these episodes, it's going to be okay because I'm partly trying to convince myself. I'll I'll spell that for you. You know, I mean, I, I I do believe it. I do, but it's a, it's kind of an ongoing, uh, thing that I have to remind myself of. Um, and, and not just in my mind, like saying it really helps for me to make it more real. Um, and so I think it's been a struggle um, not to agree with it or even believe it. It's been a struggle to, to I don't know about, I don't know about, I'm not going to say it's been hard to like shift my behavior exactly. Uh, I think it's just been hard to let go of morality that I was taught. Mm. Not specific points of morality, you know, but that approach in general. Because that is understandable, at least. I mean, I know we said it doesn't work, but in a sense, it works. Yeah. You know, like it it does bring a a feeling, I think a false one, but a feeling of safety, right? It makes, Mm -hmm. again, a false understanding, but I think an understanding of the world and everything in it, because, you know, I don't. I don't have to figure it out. It's all in the Bible or whatever, right? I don't have to figure out how to live because God told me. And I I think though what I am, what I have realized and continue to realize is that like even for those people or me when I used to be there as I was still having to figure it out as I went along, I was, there is no direct conduit from God to my morality because like you said, there's so many situations that come up why do you think we often say, well, what should I do here? Mm-hmm. Because we all have to engage in that process of figuring it out. So I don't know. I think, again, yeah, so I think I'm on board, honestly. But it's it's been a bit of a difficult trans, not a bit. It's a difficult transition. Yeah. At least for myself. You know, it, I've maybe talked about this before, but I don't have a hard time saying this to others and believing it for others, not just saying like, I mean, I don't go in to talk about morality or sin in my work. Right. But people Mm -hmm. will talk about like regrets and I did this and I shouldn't have done that and all that kind of stuff. And it's very easy for me to believe you're okay. You know, right. For myself, it's, it's a lot more difficult because I am the worst, (laughs) you know, (laughs) at least that's what I was. That's what I'm, that was the that was the message, you know. Yeah, um, chief of sinners, right? Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't. Uh, yes, you my wouldn't righteousness is as filthy rags. To give mm. you some more, Paul, you know. Um, <laughs> and I, I side now. I wonder what Paul would make. I mean, some of these places, like in Romans, he's clearly just like I don't want to say pulling out of his ass, but he's really trying to figure things out. <laughs> and like I think about nine to eleven, where he's just like. I don't know. It's a mystery. And yet we <laughs> right. use these words to his, his or whoever's words to be like, see, it's very clear. Here's yeah, the right. distinct principle. And I imagine <laughs> Paul or whoever wrote it's going to be like, uh, well, I, 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 I well, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my, 
uh, I think that was my way of answering the question of like, I think that this is a message that is sorely needed, not just for me. I, I think that it makes me think about how different would things be if we taught our children this approach rather than don't cheat, don't steal, don't lie, don't murder, don't whatever, you know, probably don't probably don't tell children not to lust, but I just, whatever it is, or like we're going to talk about, what if instead of telling teenagers, don't lust, don't masturbate, don't have sex, whatever it is, we told them, uh, treat people like humans, you know, mm -hmm. don't, I don't, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, because I think that that would, gosh, that'd be just such a healthier way to look at this stuff. And I'm going to try not to preach here either, but like so much of morality puts it all on me. It's like, what do we even need God for? All we yeah. need God for in that is to give us the rules. And then it's all up to me. And not only is that, I think that's partly why it doesn't work <laughs> because it's all based on me or you or whoever, yeah. but it, it, I think it's kind of renegotiating the roles to more where they should be of like, yeah, I'm involved here, but it's mm -hmm. not all about me. It's about the spirit working in my heart and like, I, you know, I think we said in one of our first few episodes about sin, we said, what is sin? We ended it not, sin is not necessarily like the specific things as much as things that hurt and oppress other people. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, specific things do that. But we focus so long on the specific things that we've missed mm -hmm. the the part that was really more important. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of where yeah. I'm at with some of that. I like that. Uh, Luther said... Uh, the not about me. And I love this little phrase. Um, I'm, I'm going to butcher it, I'm sure, but it's something like, uh, you don't need your good works. Your neighbor does. Mm. Well, um, yeah. So now how do we tell the Lutherans and all the other people that that about that? Right. Because not that we're the only one saying this. I mean, there's right. plenty of other people who have realized this, but a big thing about the world I came from was that this seems so revolutionary to me, right? The reason it's been so hard to let go is because I'd never really considered it before. I don't think it had been raised as a possibility. And yeah. I think that that's what needs to happen is um, more, more so even than like to use my own life as an example. Do I want to go to conservative churches and tell them to pull their heads out of their asses about gay people? No, because it's not going to work, right? But what if, we, I, you, whoever tells them, hey, but can we think about how things affect people, right? That's that's how things yeah. change, not not telling people they're horrible, which is hard, by the way, because <laughs> especially over the last few years and on that podcast about COVID, I may have done it. So, hey, I'm a hypocrite just like everybody else. <laughs> but it's really hard when confronted with such awful badness to not be like, yeah. oh, you people are so terrible, you know? Yeah, right. But I think... Really, um, that's one of the things that's gotten us in the mess we're in is that we're so we, we rush so fast to your terrible rather than what happened, what was done, what is being done is terrible. Right. And to put a exclamation point to that is to say, um, you know, you're a person, too. I don't think we hear that enough. Mm. I don't think we hear that value enough. I mean, our story here on the podcast for the last year, certainly we haven't heard that from our church. No. Um, I think that's the story of a lot of evangelicals and, and former Christians. Is we haven't heard, hey, uh, 
you are loved, you are valuable. Uh, and if that was, so I think they're kind of hand in glove is that the value piece is part of that, but it's also, um, because we are valued, we are now freed to value other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, we don't need to worry about all the stuff that morality tells us to worry about. Instead, how about we worry about serving our neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. Think about what just is occurring to my mind right now is Jesus has the people, has his disciples in the upper room mm -hmm. before he dies. And it's his last moment. And what does he do? He washes his, his disciples' feet because they're dirty. It's such a simple uh, and necessary statement of saying, hey, this is something that you need to feel loved. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do this in this moment that we celebrate the Passover together. Uh, and, of course, the Lord's Supper and so on and so forth. Why wouldn't he do something like, hey, uh, you know, if you want to make sure that you're okay with God, mm -hmm. here's what you need to do. Right? No, he says he directs them towards other people in his last moments with them as a group. He says, you go and do likewise. You won't know what I'm doing right now, he says, but eventually you will. Hmm. Um, and then there's that whole confrontation with Peter. He's like, well, you know, if you're not going to partake in this, then you don't really know what I'm about. Right. It's just so amazing how freeing and how wonderful it is when we do that. But it is hard to uh, convince. And I think that's probably the problem. Mm -hmm. We're not going to convince anybody, but we can show people that they're valuable. And then through those loving acts of other people, they start to learn that. And then it gets turned around and given to other people. Yeah. And I know we're, we're getting, getting there towards the end, but I, I, I just wanted to spend a few minutes. Maybe we could talk about this a little bit. So I was thinking we focused all of this on our disposition towards other people. And I think that's, you know, perfect. But I think that this approach also might be helpful in our disposition towards God, right? So okay. my relationship with God now is not about what I do or don't do. It's about how do I serve God? And maybe serves not like, yeah, no, I think that is the right word. Like you said, I mean, I can't wash God's feet in the literal sense, mm -hmm. but like, it's not about pleasing God because God's already pleased with me, yeah, with you, with right. everybody. But it's about, um, like, I, I, I'm, I don't know. Like, there's, I'm having trouble putting words around it because I don't think I've totally developed the thought. But I think what we're saying here about other people would also apply to our relationship with God. Um, and if so, oh my goodness, does that change? Does that change <laughs> things around? You know, maybe what I'm trying to say is even if I don't know what it looks like for myself or everybody, um, switching our relate, switching our view of our relationship with God to being about what I do or don't do to just be about relationship instead. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's going to erode a lot of the uh, calcified stuff that we've been talking about here. Right. It's not about. Do I go to church? Because, I mean, half the time church is boring anyway. No, <laughs> it's about like, do I love God? You know, so I don't know what you think about that, but um, it was just kind of kicking yeah. around. That's a good thought. Um, maybe to get at it, the question is, what does God want from us? Mm -hmm. 
uh, from us as person not in relationship to other people, right? He wants, of course, you think of Micah six eight to yeah. do justice and well, so forth. And I other think people. loving people like we're talking about is Absolutely. maybe even the primary, one of the primary ways you love right. God, sure. But I think there's something about our own personal, like singular relationship with God too, besides yeah. just how we relate to other people. Does he want us to be moral, outstanding citizens? Sounds like an American right. thing more than a, a Christian thing. I think and this is just kind of popping into my head right now, but I mean, I think God wants us to be healthy, right? I don't necessarily mean happy in the, you know, smiling, happy sense all the time. Right. Although I also don't think God necessarily doesn't want us to be right. happy, yeah. right? I it's just mean, I, right, right. I just think that um, God wants what is good for us. And maybe we're overthinking this. Like maybe what God wants from us is to, yes, live in a way that serves other people, but in a way that God has made us like we all flourish some ways. We all flourish the same as human beings, but in some ways we all flourish very differently because we're very different people whom God has created very differently. And so maybe it's part of what we're talking about is our disposition towards God into not about what we do or don't do, but about how do we how do we i'm trying i can't think of the right word here something like how do we be who god has made and continues to make us to be hmm. i don't know you know the phrase that came to my mind was the the most said thing from jesus is do not be afraid and maybe what he wants from us is not to be afraid not to be full of shame and not to be full of hmm. uh anger um Fear, shame, and anger, I think, are is one of the, if not the only trifecta, but certainly part of the major stew of what makes us. It's, yeah, it's the unhealthiness toxic, troika. Unhealthy, yeah. yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Uh -huh. uh, and seems like he's talking about a lot of things that make it so that we're free of those. Mm -hmm. His presence brings about peace without without the fear that we have. Um, you know, he, he take your pick with the other ones. He creates ways and for, for us not to be, uh, full of shame. And he seems to bring contentedness. I think that's where that, um, happiness fits mm -hmm. in so that we're not angry all the time. Uh, well, he takes care of us. But I think it, it also makes sense because think about, like, I know that God is not a human like, or, you know, you can only anthropomorphize God so much, but just think about your own relationships with people. It's hard to have a healthy and good, rewarding, satisfying, whatever relationship with someone if they're just scared of you all the time. Right? Right. Just imagine like uh, you want what's good for your kid or your boyfriend or your spouse or whatever. And every time you walk in the room, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. It's just like, it's not even so much that you, I mean, I guess for us, it might get exasperating. I don't know that it would for God, but it's just going to be like, that's all we're ever doing when God's like, yeah. it's okay. Like we, we've talked about this and it's okay. Yeah. And I understand <laughs> exactly. and we can talk about it again, but also can we talk about all these other things that I want yeah. for you? Right. And I think, I think that's maybe the part that we miss is like, honestly, I think we've made, 
I think this is okay to say it this way. I think it's not actually true, but I think we've put ourselves in an abusive relationship with God, at mm. least in how we view it. I'm not saying yeah. that that's the case, that God is an abuser, but I'm saying it's we act like we're in a relationship where God is abusive. And I don't think that clearly that can't be right. Like that does, that's not what God wants. <laughs> that's not how God is. I don't think, um, yeah, I think yeah. that mindset, that, uh, that idea is what creates things like impossible moral codes that, that are steeped in shame and, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, because that's, that's how abusers keep control of people. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. But that's not what God is. It's not what God does. God, God, God is love, right? Yeah. Love doesn't hurt. Love is patient and kind and all that other stuff, you know, to use more Paul for you. Um, so anyway, maybe that's that's part of what I was thinking about is just, mm. you know, retooling our our view of our relationship with God. And like, I just it's so for like I can say it for myself and plenty of other people. I mean, I run into it all the time when I was a pastor and certainly now when I go see people, you know, as a chaplain and it's just like. I'm so, yeah. so sad that this has been the relationship with God that you've been given, because I think mm -hmm. that's how it's not necessarily all of our own creation. We've all been given it. Right. right. And it's so sad because not because they're somehow bad because of it, but, but because God wants so much more doesn't make mm -hmm. them not worth as much. It just, it, it just misses out on so much, yeah. so many good yeah. things that God wants for us and maybe that's what we were talking about earlier is you know i i think you're are you i think you're the one who says the hardest thing or you're just convinced that people can't really believe that god loves them and that yeah. god loves them yeah well yeah this most simplest yeah uh, we're we're totally unconvinced of the gospel mm -hmm. period that we just cannot believe the hardest thing for us to believe is that god actually does love us no matter what right and 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 god does you know yeah so, yeah, I mean, that's another one of those things I'm constantly working on shifting my, um, not just my thoughts, but my kind of everything about that is because I was the pers the picture of God, the relationship with God that I was given was very much an abusive one. But I don't think it's because God was abusive. I think it's right. because that was the role I put myself in because that was the role I told I was told I had to be in that I just was in by very nature of my existence. Right. And yeah. I mean gay stuff aside, I mean just as a yeah, human just being, being a human being. You know, yeah. and then all that on top of it. So that's what I think it yeah, it kind of makes me angry, but it's more it just makes me so sad and I think that you and I talking about this and all the other people that are bringing this up, whether they're our age or not, uh, you know, whether they're older or younger or whatever it is. Um, I think that's because God's working to, to change this, right? Like, like God wants to bring life, not, you know, shame and death and all that other stuff. You were saying that and oh my goodness, I was thinking of John. John, mm -hmm. Jesus says, I came for you to have life and right. life to the fullest. <laughs> I came for you to have life and that life is within a very strict moral code that's ambiguous, right. but actually it's not. And if you get it wrong, you're on your way to hell. So good luck. Right. See, and what morality tells us is that our life is defined by our sin and what we do, mm -hmm. right? This is the classic, and this is why I'm thoroughly convinced that it's we're we're it's the hardest thing for us to believe because we're, we will gravitate towards a morality that defines ourselves according to sin 
rather than to the Lord of life who defines us according to what he has done and who he is. And that means sin be damned, quite literally. It doesn't matter what you do. God still loves you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does that mean that it doesn't matter what you do, you know, in that sense with other people? Of course not. But um, in terms of your relationship with God, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. And I think Paul deals with that, right? He's dealing with the same thing. Does that mean that we can go and sin and and whatever? Uh, No, that doesn't mean... But he's still grappling with the same thing because as much as Paul gets things right, I think he's still struggling with the same thing. He can't believe it. Mm-hmm. It's probably part of what our condition really is, is we can't believe we're fully loved no matter what. And so the long and the short of it is morality is a system that allows us to not believe that. Mm-hmm. It allows us to put our hopes into something else and call it God. Um and I'm getting very close to what Luther would say. We we turn things into idols, and I, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do that. Well, but honestly, in this case, morality as an idol, I, I think you that might not be untrue. Okay. But I think so that's are you okay? Enough. Are you okay with me now? Like the final question, it's not a long one, but are you okay with me saying morality is not a thing? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm you know, sign me up for the immoral train, you know, uh, <laughs> see, that's what we're telling you folks is we are agents of immorality. And, uh, but in a sense we kind of are, but not immorality in the sense of like bad things, immorality yeah, and maybe a morality or amorality or whatever. I don't even know if that's real, but point is like, I hope as we listen to this kind of stuff, as we say it, as people listen, and as we work through this, we can, you know, it's like, it's okay to like step outside of that. We say all the time, you know, you can, it's okay not to know. Well, it's okay to explore. And and man, it's so much better over here. There's cookies and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but jokes aside, like, it's not just that it's better. It's that it, it, it's that it's healthier. It's that it's, you know, we are, it's, it's trading a false sense of security for one that actually is secure because it's instead of me protecting myself, it's God protecting me, you know, like, like that kind of stuff. So I hope that this is encouraging for people. And, uh, you know, you can go and tell your friends that we're, that, uh, we hate morality and, uh, you know, it, honestly, if you say it that way, it's a great lead into the, a discussion of what you mean and what you don't mean. Because um, I remember, I think the first time you said that phrase to me, I think we we're on the phone. And I actually, I think I probably made a joke about, well, I'd love to hear the sermon about that. Um, <laughs> but give it a try, honestly. And it, that sounds so cavalier. And I don't mean it that way. But I just mean, like, in a sense, like, maybe it's okay to give yourself permission not to explore evil. <laughs> But to try and reframe uh, what God wants. Because what does God want? God wants you. That's what God wants. So I think that's, you know, there's probably more that could be said about all of this stuff. I mean, people have talked about morality for thousands of years. So I imagine if you wanted, there's plenty of things to explore. But I hope that, like I said, I hope that this is encouraging for you and freeing. But like we said, not in a sense of so do whatever the hell you want, but freeing in the sense of like, you know, help God or let God help you is what I'm trying to say, Um, because that's what God wants. So if you have anything you'd like to talk to us about, 
you can tell us why we're immoral and evil and why we're wrong about this if you want. Um, or you can tell us we're the best podcast hosts in the universe and that every podcast would like to be just like us because there's nothing in between those two. It's one of those two <laughs> options, right? <laughs> uh, you can send us an email at frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com. Or, um, you know, if you have general feedback or if there's something you'd like us to talk about, we're always looking for more topics. And um, we're still working on the details of the, I don't know if it's an event, but but the community project that we're planning that we told you about previously. So stay tuned for that. It's just some stuff to iron out before we kind of um, tell you more about it. Plus, it's a big sense of mystery now. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I'm a weirdo, you know? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And it's okay. I, like I said, I'm convincing myself, but it's okay. It's going to be okay. God will take care of us. <laughs>